in Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics, delivering what they call the, the whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? Welcome to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Art Stone, and with me, as always, is your co-host, Andy Hart. Artie Farty, what's up? It's me, Andy the Pandy. I only do two things, eat bamboo and not fuck. What's up, brother? (laughs) Andy, you really are a real-life zoo panda. Yeah, zoo panda. You are uh, you're encased in your bubble here in the bunker. Yeah, yeah. You f- probably feel a little bit like a panda on the open face toilet. I got uh, alternating black and white striped clothing on, pants and shirt. They match. Um, <laughs> Peon Musk makes you dress up like a little referee because you know me and him get heated <laughs> yeah. sometimes. And I have of to our blow competitions. my. I have to quote unquote blow my whistle. You know what I mean? Yeah, we know what you mean. Blow your load. Yeah. <laughs> And that's what breaks things up. Speaking of blowing your load, I mean, Andy, the, today's topic, we're blowing our load all over this one. This is a, no, this is a big episode. I don't even know how long this episode's going to be, but I know it's going to be big, and it's going to have a load blown. It's gonna, and I think a couple people listening are going to blow their loads when we hear what topic hear, we're doing. When we reveal it. <laughs> um, do you want me? Should I reveal it? Go ahead and reveal it. Uh, okay, Bunk Bunkers, uh, gird your loins, because today... We are discussing the missing 411 series of books and related phenomena, uh, movies, documentaries, podcasts, podcasts, uh, articles, books, articles, interviews, radio appearances, a lot of stuff. Hotly requested topic. This Hotly. topic requested so many different times. I mean, so Twice. many people are writing in. Yeah. Yeah. Two different times. Two times. People but we can tell. Requested. I mean, you can tell. A lot of people didn't write Famous in, but people. wanted to. Blake Sheldon, Gwen Stefani, the guy from Maroon 5. Young Sheldon, the actor that plays <laughs> Young Sheldon. Yeah. Him. They're all, I mean, they haven't written in, but you can kind of tell you when tell. you watch them They're on TV. They're very interested. You can tell. Yeah. It's it's apparent. Um, no, highly requested. First requested almost a year ago this time. Yep. One year ago. Yep. By Zoe. Zoe? Zoe, if you're still out there, you're still listening, hey. Thank you for sticking with us. We finally did right by you. We're not liars. No. It just takes us a long time. We're, we're uh, inattentive and... We're slow. Uh, slow. We're smelly. Um, we're bad kissers, but we're not liars. <laughs> That's true. And uh, another, uh, someone else has requested this topic multiple times, actually, is... Yeah. Is... Uh, uh, OG Bunk Funker and Patreon supporter Cody Laveau. Cody, hi again, master uh, painter, yeah, master master mini painter, um, paints a great mini. 
Cody, uh, we hope you won't find this episode heresy. Uh, <laughs> good, very good, Andy. It, uh, <laughs> okay. Um, Trying to fit in. There you go. Um, yeah, uh, two big, huge requests. This is a huge topic spanning a, a lot of different things. We're going to cover a handful of cases. Um, we're going to talk about David Polites. We're going to talk about missing. This is about a missing missing people in 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 the national forests of America. Yeah, it's, and also and it's, elsewhere. Yeah, it's like it started as is in the wilds of America, primarily in the national parks in the United States, and it it spread to like covered North America. It's gone worldwide. It's right. encompassed things that are in urban areas now. Mm-hmm. I mean, this this is a wide ranging topic of mysterious missing persons cases. Um, this thing is big. If you if you're into that kind of stuff, you know, you're just gonna be right up your alley. Yeah. Like we say, you're gonna blow your load. But here's the thing: if you want to blow your load early, you can't wait, you don't want to edge. If you, <laughs> you gotta check the episode show notes. I mean, if this is your first episode, <laughs> welcome to the show. Uh, here's the thing though. Longtime listeners will know you gotta check the episode show notes, you gotta check the uh the episode description, and you have to uh You gotta look for the timestamp. You gotta look for the timestamp. I know it's not hidden. It's not missing. It's never going to go missing in any kind of forest or anything like that. <laughs> seriously, it'll always be there. Yeah, it's always there. And it'll tell you exactly when the research starts, because first, Andy and I have to expand on the lore of the show. Arch's crotch chopping me while he's I am crotch chopping D-Generation X style uh, crotch chopping and saying that we have to talk about another bunker sighting. This it, I mean, look, uh, to be honest, um, since since the dawn of COVID, um, you know, we were in quarantine for quite a while, uh, separated from each other. Mr. Bunker, meanwhile, was traveling the world and right. um, he was sending us postcards. And eventually he started visiting bunk bunkers. Bunk bunkers started seeing him out and about. Mm-hmm. And this is a trend that's continued. And honestly, things are really spiraling uh, at this point. I don't want to say out of control, but... I don't know where this leads. You know, we're not the smartest guys. We, uh, you know. We're not the sharpest tools in the shed. We were looking kind of dumb with our finger and our thumb up our bum. In the shape Shape of of an an L L in our buttholes. Well, Uh, well. the shit start coming and they don't stop coming. No, good thing I'm on the open face toilet because I'm running. You're a real Shrek. Yeah. You know oh. You're a real Shrek, too. Um, I'm a believer. It's me, <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> where, where are we going? Where are we going bunk, with this? Bunk, Bunker sighting. Bunker sighting. We're spiraling out of control. <laughs> Here's the thing. I mean, you know, uh, 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 these these bunker sightings. Last week, we learned about the possible creation of a Bunk Avengers. Yeah. This is a group of a group of we don't know what. I don't not superheroes, but a gr- I, I don't know. It's a group of people some committed to some sort of ideal, possibly or not. Yeah. <laughs> so for to catch you all up, you know, obviously there's Peon Musk, the undead Sasquatch that Bunker killed with a katana and raised with blood magic. Then he went and apparently killed the Flatwoods monster. Yeah, at a and, disc golf course, he killed... At a disc golf course in Texas. We don't know if the Flatwoods monster has been raised from the dead yet or not. Right. Uh, we also learned at some point that, that um, you know, Mr. Bunker has started some rival to Tesla called Bunkla. That's true. Um, they've, all about that. They've been France. Frankensteining cars together, but now they're also just, like, rebranding existing cars uh, by writing over the names in Sharpies. Um, 
Mr. Bunker and Peon Musk built some sort of an airship. Uh, so there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff happening right now. A lot of moving pieces. It seems like this Bunk Vengers trend is continuing. Right. Uh, bunkers will let you know a little secret. We've gotten more bunker sightings than we can actually include. Right. In an episode. Right. So we're kind of the story will unravel. Every the story's week. yeah. I mean, you're gonna have to stay tuned because. These are these are actively happening these sightings and it's continuing to contribute uh, to the developing lore surrounding oh. Mr. Bunker. And it's incredible lore. His undead Sasquatch, Peon Musk. So we just received another one. This is from another. Uh, this is from another committed loyal bunk funker, Chris from Scotland. Scotland, Chris. You'll Chris. have to rate our accents. Chris, are we doing a good find job? This offensive at all? Is this insulting to the Scottish people? Ugh, I'm going to go have an iron brew. <laughs> I tend to think, Chris, that all accents that Art and I do are insulting to the people who add those accents. We're just insulting to be around in general. Just obnoxious kind of jerks. I love Scotland. I have Scottish heritage, which I know I think is very silly for people to talk. I have no connection to Scotland. But I have Scottish heritage. I love Scotland. Beautiful, amazing country. If you can ever go visit, I mean, obviously you can't really do it right now. They like lifted their drawbridge or something and you can't even get in. It's the only way you can get in is that drawbridge. But uh, it's just beautiful countryside, beautiful cities, castles, locks. I mean, the whole thing. It's just, it's a fucking great place to go. Yeah. You really should go to Scotland if you ever get the opportunity. I, I, I can't say nice enough things there. And I, I went Scotland. there and I left and I haven't been happy since. <laughs> But Chris writes in, Chris works on a uh, oil rig out in the sea. Out in the sea. And so uh, Chris was working back on the oil rig. But apparently he saw Mr. Bunker. He said he was leaving the rig one night, or the, the place where he works on the rig. He says he looks down towards the water. I mean, you got to imagine this is probably nighttime out on an oil rig. Just, just bright lights on the oil rig, but it's I mean, all dark around. Yeah, just the black emptiness of the sea, sea. crashing against the support beams for the, the oil rig. The smell of that salty sea air. The coolness of the wind. Maybe a, maybe a lone seagull. There's mist in the air. Mist. 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 They wouldn't be out at night, but maybe there's You can probably hear this low hum of the machinery. Oh, we're really setting the scene here. Yeah. Uh, okay, so he's uh, he's leaving the uh, he's leaving his place of work one night, and um, he looked down. He looks down towards the water. He notices a boat emerging through the darkness, and thick fog surrounding the platform. At first glance, it looks like a fishing boat that's gotten too close to the rig, but upon closer inspection, it appears to be he appears to be looking at the orca from Jaws. You know, the boat from the movie. You know, the boat from the movie. The, the orca was the boat in the movie Jaws. It is definitely not what we thought originally when we first read the story, which was that Chris had accidentally said that this was the shark. <laughs> the shark was a orca whale. There was some whale. confusion between a gray white shark and a whale. But also you whale. can see where the confusion might be. Orca is actually a dolphin. What? Yeah, orcas are dolphins. They're part of the dolphin family, but they're not dolphins. No. They're dolphins. They're in the dolphin family. I don't know about that one, Chief. Okay. You're no marine biologist. <laughs> no, I just have a weird fetishization for fish. 
Fish. Anyway, he's looking at the orca from Jaws, which is the boat, the boat from Jaws. And out of the cabin emerges two figures that look eerily like Quint and Hoppa. Hooper. Hooper. Hoppa. Hoppa. Get the Hoppa. <laughs> it quickly becomes apparent that it's Bunker and Peon Musk. Whoa. So you gotta, I mean, you know, Bunk Funkers, we like to leave Bunker's image. One, he doesn't let us talk about his image very much, but we like to leave it up to the imagination. Yeah. He's whatever you think he looks like. Yeah. But he does have a very quint from Jaws appearance. And I I mean, you know, Peon Musk is kind of gross looking, but I think him dressed up like Hooper is very cute. He does have, he's very gross, but in a very Richard Dreyfus sort of way. Yeah. Yeah. He's gross like Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> you get it. You get it. You understand. He's a gross looking guy. <laughs> anyway. Next thing I know, that fucker fires a flare up at me. Can you believe this? I believe that, yeah. Yes, I actually can. I duck out of the way. I'm sure you did a very cool roll. Yeah. I like to imagine Chris did a roll, like Zelda. Right. Like in Zelda, when Link does rolls. Right. I was thinking because of the setting, I was thinking more like Solid Snake. Oh, that's even better. This is like a Solid Snake type yeah. of Yeah. He like rolled and ended up behind a stack of boxes. He notices that the flare extinguishes very quick, quickly and he can see writing on the cartridge. It turns out it's some sort of scroll. Oh. On it, Bunker appears to have written that he wants us to investigate the J Japan Airlines Flight 1628 incident. Oh, yeah. So there you go. I mean, we got an episode topic. Uh, I guess discussion. we got something to look into. Oh, boy. This Underneath, is... Peon had scribbled something about it uh, being long overdue that we also do mm -hmm. an episode on Sasquatches, too, which, okay. Okay, Peon. Why you have to be so fucking passive aggressive with us? <laughs> right. You see us every week. You couldn't just tell us while we're on our car ride. You're sitting in the bunker, eating nachos, which to you is just the crumbs at the bottom of the tortilla bag with like the pre with just shredded cheese. It's not even melted. Yeah. Just the pre-shredded cheese. Gross. Not even like Gross a walking peons. taco. Yeah, it's not even good. Peon musk. Fuck you, Peon Musk. No, don't fucking stare at me, Peon Musk. Fuck you. Fucking go take go take a walk. Don't bother us when we're fucking recording. We're working here. We're fucking working hard. What are you doing? I don't give a fuck what the water heater's doing. Jesus Christ, will you shut up about the water heater? Yeah, that's what I thought. You live your whole life without a water heater. It wasn't until you become undead and you start living in all these luxuries. Now you're a bit of a fucking princess. No, we're not going to take a stop at the comic book store. I don't care how good you are to yo-yo. I don't want to see your tricks. Jeez. So needy. Just because he got murdered and separated from his whole family and they got reanimated as a some sort of a servant to a... Psychopath. And quit saying that shit about Chechnyans. Quit making rude comments about Chechnyans. Peon Musk. I'm sick of you saying rude shit about Chechnyans. Oh, quit it. God, he's got a mouth on him. Disgusting. Sassy. Well, anyway. Sass squatch. Turns out that Bunker and Peon Musk were actually on their way to Loch Ness in oh. Scotland to so look for Nessie after Nessie. just having been on the hunt for Moby Dick. <laughs> God loves a trier. 
Anyway, I hope you're well. Cheers, dudes. Chris. Wow. So the Bug Avengers is growing by possibly Moby Dick and the Loch Ness Monster. I guess they were looking for Moby Dick and then they were, lo- we don't know. Were they but- just trying to kill Moby Dick? <laughs> Finish the job? Turns out it was a real book. Turns out that was a biographical. <laughs> Herman Melville was writing a real, that was just a call me dramatic Ishmael. retelling. I mean, call me egg on my face. I yeah. thought that was fiction. <laughs> uh, no, it looks like we've got Loch Ness Monster. We've got Pianimus. We've got, uh, we don't have names for these people either. I mean, bunk bunkers. What do you think their names are? Uh, hold on, Art. I'm going to send you a copy of Moby Dick uh, through your email. One second. You've got Ishmael. Thank you. Anyway, this Bunk Vengers thing is really getting out of hand. We were on an oil rig together in the fucking North Sea. I would throw you overboard. <laughs> and I would welcome it. Um, <laughs> uh, this is getting crazy. He's really, truly building a team. Uh, Chris, first of all, thank you for your sighting. I mean... Chris, this is incredible. You know, um, Firing a flare at you. You're ducking out of the way. We apologize for that. Yeah, you, That's you, wild. you were in the line of danger with Mr. Bunker and Peon Musk. Um, we're sorry about that, but you know, thanks for thanks for sending this sighting in because this is truly incredible. You know, we thought it couldn't get any wilder when the Flatwoods monster might join the crew of the Bunk Avengers, but to add Nessie into the mix. Yeah, I mean that's a big that's like the, that's basically the Hulk, right? That's gonna be kind of like the Hulk to the Avengers, <laughs> like a Hulk that can't leave the water <laughs> at all. <laughs> that has to constantly be. Might have been an oversight. Be, <laughs> I can't wait to see how Mister Bunker rectifies that. Yeah, it might have been an oversight. Unless there's part. something about Nessie we don't understand, and Nessie can it's go true. on land. We have not covered Nessie. We've not covered a lot of those topics. Yeah, including Sasquatches, which we'll get. Oh, quit it. Oh, I don't want to see your fucking bow tie. Okay, okay, you look cute in the bow tie. Yeah, you look cute in the bow tie. It's fine. Yeah, he looks good. Um, you think his flesh is rotting more? It smells worse, and he looks more desiccated by the minute. <laughs> I don't understand blood magic. <laughs> Dark blood magic, yeah, so yeah. maybe Bunker has to do another spell to help yeah. keep uh, Peon up to date here, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, we've got uh, Moby Dick and we've got the Loch Ness Monster, too. Uh, I guess he's got the oceans covered. Yeah, yeah. The Bunk Avengers are going to cover land, <laughs> sea, and air. You know, Aquaman was part of the Super Friends. He really couldn't do shit, jack shit, unless it was the oceans. So You know, though, he could have made like a bunch of uh, marine mammals beach themselves all at the same time, and that probably would have been pretty distressing. For the, for the animals. Well, yeah, but probably for people on the beach, too. <laughs> Oh, God, I got to do it. Aquaman is telling me to fucking torpedo myself through this luscious beachside condo in Malibu. Yeah. I have to do it. Aquaman. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I don't I I fear a world that is being taken over by Mr. Bunker. I really do. Yeah, he's 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 uh, kind of he's kind of like passed through this phase of uh, cartoonish villainy. Mm. To spread his message, and he seems to be headed in the direction of super villainy. I when when we were first abducted many moons ago, Andy, I uh, I never thought that it would have come to this. I never thought that we would be looking at uh, 
Bunk Tech Industries, Bunkla, yeah. and uh, Bunker as the head of a multi-conglomerate uh, national uh, organization of either super villainry or superheroery. We haven't decided yet. We could not have foreseen this. Um, it's unsettling. It's scary. It's uh, yeah. It's a concern. And I think it's something that every bunk bunker is going to have to uh, look over their shoulder for. <laughs> yeah. Who knows what you might see? I mean, keep your eyes peeled, bunk bunkers. Stay frosty. Yeah. And and enjoy a frosty from Wendy's. <laughs> from Wendy's. Our sponsor. Our sponsor. <laughs> uh, you can get everything at Wendy's uh, for looking over your shoulder. Have a cool frosty. <laughs> That's right. Uh, get a hot baked potato. Yeah. Uh, you want a home style a spicy chili? chicken sandwich. Home style chili. Got great spicy nuggets. Great spicy nuggets. All the spicy chicken. I'm not a big fan of their new French fries. I, I miss the old ones, but hey, wow. uh, to each their own. Yeah, jeez. Uh, and they have breakfast now. Get out there and get, get out. yourself a breakfast baconator. No, 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 they had breakfast now. It's not bad. You had it. I had it. Ooh, yeah, good. Mm. Well, anyway, um, speaking of having it. Da 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 da! I'm having it. That's the new Wendy's jingle. <laughs> it's in your mouth. <laughs> Get it the way that you want it, <laughs> Wendy's. They're just taking over every other slogan. <laughs> Wendy's, it's your fourth meal. Live moss. Live live more. <laughs> Wendy's, think about something other than tacos. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy's when you're here you're, you're pretty much an acquaintance Wendy's reasonable amount of rules and decent food <laughs> can't think of the other ones I want my burger back burger back burger back burger back <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, I don't even remember the segue I had here, but big, just like Wendy's ever expanding, uh, slogans and menu today's topic. I mean, Andy is, um, spanning massive He's ever expanding and you can get it any time of day. It's true. This is a big one. There's a big enchilada. Take yeah. a Tums. Yeah. Put your sweatpants on. Cause you're going to need them. <laughs> yeah. This is, if you were already full from American Thanksgiving, uh, undo your belt again. This is this is another heap and helping. So let's get into it here. Uh, this is missing four one one here on Mister Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast. Funkers, today we're talking about a broad topic that's referred to as Missing 411, a name which is derived from a series of books by David Polides. Missing 411 is, I feel, a big topic and, and kind of nebulous. It might be helpful to just start right up front with a description of what Missing 411 is all about before we start actually diving into it. Andy, I couldn't agree more with you, buddy. And uh, you bunk funkers are in luck because I know just how to explain this topic for maximum effectiveness so bunk funkers let me give you the missing 411 on missing 411 
let's say some national park is disappearing your hiking girl. You got to give them one of these. Oh, bunk bunkers. You can't see this, but but Art appears to be pantomiming masturbation in my direction. I'm pumping and firing a shotgun, Andy. It couldn't be more obvious. It's a shotgun. Oh, okay. I thought you pumping the shotgun was you pumping your dick gun. And I thought you pulling the trigger was you stimulating your prostate. <laughs> what a mix-up, you buffoon. Jeez. You goob. Oh, boy. You know you walked in on me masturbating and anally pleasuring myself one time, Andy. And now that's all you can see me doing. You got to move on, Andy. Come on. Yeah, well, you shouldn't have been doing that in our shared booth at Pizza Hut anyway. Well, I was excited about getting a free personal pan pizza. We all get excited about the prospect of personal pan pizzas and pizzones. You don't think I've gotten hard thinking about a pizzone before? <laughs> yeah. But I don't jerk I've off. I've got a few pizzones. <laughs> don't After jerk. a rough day, you come home. Get your nap, you get your tissues, you get your moisturizer, you knock out a few pizzones. I've done it. Yeah, we've all been, we've all been there. <laughs> look, look, let's all move on from Art's Pizza Hut masturbation history and actually talk about Missing 411. I'll be honest with you, Bunk Funkers, Missing 411 is, is to me at least, a pretty wide-ranging topic with, with a lot of facets. And frankly, right at the top, we're going to cover some, we're going to cover some pretty sad and or tragic stories. I'm going to explain Missing 411 like this. It's basically looking deeper into strange disappearances of people. Obviously, <laughs> that's not a super helpful description. So let's talk a bit about the history of Missing 411 and some of the background of the author, David Polides. Uh, that'll probably help illuminate this topic uh, just a little bit. Very true, Andy. David Polides is a former police officer serving in both the Fremont and San Jose Police Departments, which are both in the U.S. state of California. Polity spent most of his police career, 16 and a half years with San Jose PD. Now, according to him, he did a variety of jobs while on the force in San Jose, including SWAT team, vice. Uh, he was he did detective work and working in street crimes as a street decoy. Now, working as a street crime decoy could mean that, you know, Polities pretended to be a drug dealer or a drug buyer or acted as some other perpetrator of a street crime. But, uh, we here at Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast prefer to believe that David Polides mostly acted as a decoy prostitute. <laughs> because let's face it, look at a picture of David Polides. I'd buy sex from that guy. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't want to be wrapped in those chiseled arms while the nape of their neck was tenderly tickled by the mustache goatee or mustache or whatever facial hair he had at the time. He can he can wear it all. I mean, the guy <laughs> he's got a he's got a fucking He's got a, he's classically handsome. Built like a brick shithouse, I'll tell you what. <laughs> Great chin on that guy. You know, you're a lot of things, Art, but you're not wrong. We're both thinking it. Politis is a sexy man. Now, according to Politis himself, after he left the San Jose PD, he got a job with a tech company, which led to him becoming an executive doing investigative work on uh, partner firms and acquisition targets. After retiring from the technology industry, Politis says he was given funding to prove once and for all if Bigfoot, the famous North American cryptid, was a hoax or not. In 2004, Politis established the North American the North America Bigfoot Search Organization, which we might call NABS. Politis now serves as the executive director of NABS. NABS has uh, focused on trying to prove the existence of Bigfoot through DNA evidence obtained from Bigfoot samples. 
Eventually, this culminated in a white paper that claimed Bigfoot was a distinct species, the product of an unknown ancestor mating with a female human. The results were pretty controversial, and we're not going to get into all of that right now because we're not because we're we're talking about missing four one one and not Bigfoot. But it is still interesting. Interesting indeed, Andy. It's also worth mentioning that in addition to hunting for Bigfoot, Polites is also a mutual UFO network or MUFON investigator. So anyway, let's fast forward here a little bit. In about 2009, David Polites was conducting research at a national park in the United States. We can only assume it was either Bigfoot or prostitution sting related. We mm -hmm. don't know. We don't know. So while Polites was in his room... Two off-duty park rangers came a-knocking, fortunately not to purchase sex, mm. but to share concerns with him that there were too many people disappearing from national parks, and not enough was being done by the U.S. National Park Service to investigate, track, and understand these disappearances. The visit from these two rangers led Paulides to begin working on the project that would eventually be Missing 411. In 2012, Paulides published two books on these strange, unsolved disappearances since then Polides has written seven more missing 401 books and there have been two documentaries made on the topic Polides also serves as a director of the can am missing project a group of retired police officers search and rescue experts and others who have come together to investigate and better understand cases of persons who go missing in the north american wilderness Polides helped launch the can am missing project in 2011 for research, we reviewed a Missing 411 book published in 2018, Missing 411 Law, which is land, air, water. Uh, we'll, mostly, we'll most likely just call it Law from here on out for brevity's sake. In Law, Politis lists the total number of Missing 411 cases that have been covered in the books to that point as 1,135. These missing persons cases were all generated between the years 1572 and 2017, though the vast majority are from the 20th or 21st centuries. Over that long stretch of time, it's safe to say that the total of missing people exceeded 1,135. Heck, uh, the U.S. National Missing and Unidentified Persons System claims 600,000 people go missing in the United States every year. So, clearly not all missing persons cases are missing 411 cases. In law... Polites uh, outlines what he calls, quote-unquote, profile points, which help describe some of the factors that make a missing persons case a missing 411 type case. One of the more common things Politis notices in missing 411 cases is that search and rescue teams often bring in teams of dogs to help track the missing person. These are dogs trained to pick up the scent of the missing person or human remains and hopefully lead searchers toward the missing person. In missing 411 cases, Politis says, quote, in nearly 99% of the cases I have documented, bloodhounds brought to the point where the victim was last seen cannot find a scent, aren't interested in tracking, or seem oblivious to the scent. End quote. Another important profile point is the weather. In a lot of missing 411 cases, bad weather plays a part in either the disappearance or the search for or recovery of the missing person. Typically, this plays out where a person goes on a hike or something like that, becomes lost, then the weather gets really bad when people go to look for that person. There's also incidences of missing persons being found in places where searchers have already looked. You know, so, for example, searchers may comb an area and find absolutely nothing. Then, the next day, the missing person is found in the same area where the searchers were the day before. In law, 
Paulides brings up that other researchers have suggested to him that the missing person uh, are being placed in these locations to be found. Paulides cites an example of a person found lying on top of a fallen tree, which had fallen during the search effort. So the person could not have been, you know, under the tree when they, uh, when they initially went missing. Missing persons found in bodies of water are also mentioned by Paulides. Proximity to water is another point that reappears in a lot of these cases, and is clearly something Paulides thinks is important to these cases. In fact, one missing 411 case, uh, one book, sorry, uh, called A Sobering Coincidence, focuses on cases where primarily young men mysteriously disappear and are eventually found dead in a body of water. Beyond the cases chronicled in A Sobering Coincidence, the other missing 411 books show other victims who are found in or near bodies of water, even if those locations could have been challenging for the missing person to get to. Missing clothing is another important profile point. In these cases, the missing person was found with articles of clothing removed, or some of the missing's clothing was recovered even if the person was never found. In law, Politis directly addresses some of the skeptical criticism regarding this profile point. Skeptics have pointed out the phenomena of so-called paradoxical undressing as a possible explanation for the clothing removed by missing persons. Paradoxical undressing is, a, is typically seen in those suffering from the later stages of hypothermia, where muscles fail, uh, which sends a rush of warm blood to the extremities, uh, and makes the sufferer feel hot, and then they undress in confusion. In law, Politis responds by pointing out that some missing persons found to have missing clothing are children who were too young to remove their own clothing, according to their parents. Politis also points out that some victims found with missing clothing were not in a hypothermia-friendly environment long enough to actually develop hypothermia. In addition to these points, Politis also brings up these other profile points. Uh, in missing 411 cases, people tend to disappear in the afternoon slash evening just before it gets dark. The missing 411 persons may have some type of disability or illness. Uh, in a similar vein, some of the missing 411 persons are considered exceptional achievers, possessing high intellect and or being good at sports or especially proficient in some other field or area of study. Missing 411 victims, which are found alive, uh, which is not a high percentage, are generally unable to remember anything about their experience of being missing. Equipment malfunctions also frequently play a part in folks going missing or in hampering efforts to locate the missing. Big rocks and granite are also a profile point. Uh, according to Politis, lots of, of, of found missing 411 people are found near boulders or other big rocks. Lots of people go missing from Yosemite National Park in the U.S., which is home to a lot of granite. Another thing that's not listed as a profile point, but which gets mentioned in cases whenever it comes up, is if the person is German or of German descent or has a German name. So basically, if Paulides reviews a missing persons case that encompasses some of these profile points, it might be considered a missing 401 case. I guess, ultimately, David Paulides has a monopoly on what's considered a, quote, true missing 401 case. So he could say anything is a missing 401 case if he really wanted to. But generally speaking, the cases have some combination of those profile points. Now, Paulides mapped out all of the missing 401 cases and determined the cases are generally clustered together in certain areas. In order to be considered a cluster, there have to be at least four missing 401 cases in the area. As of 2017, Paulides mapped 59 clusters in the USA and Canada. 
Clusters can cover big areas, such as Yosemite National Park, or confined to a, lo- to a more local uh, places, like when a few people go missing from the same town or county. If you look at the map, there's kind of a horseshoe or ring-type shape in the western U.S. and Canada, with Nevada kind of in the bank uh, blank space. There's another cluster in Arkansas slash Missouri in the Ozark National Forest area. There's a cluster in the Great Smoky Mountain National Park area in Tennessee. There's case clusters around the Great Lakes region and also in New England. To help illustrate the profile points and findings, which helps to understand just what constitutes a missing 401 case, we're going to talk about some of the cases profiled in law. As we mentioned, law is an acronym for land, air, water. Law is set up as a collection of disappearances on, not surprisingly, land, air, and water. And the book is organized by those different types of cases, as well as a section on triangles, like the Bermuda Triangle. To explain a little more clearly, the water disappearances in the book aren't really cases where people were on the water and disappeared. They're mostly where people disappeared from land and were ultimately found in water with no clear reason for the person to have gone into the water. So these are similar to the cases covered in Missing 411, A Sobering Coincidence, which uh, we mentioned a little bit ago. Now, while we'll get into the air and the water disappearances eventually, just like law, we're going to start with land disappearances. Uh, First, let's cover the disappearance of Carl Reinhardt. Carl was a five-year-old who disappeared on July 19, 1930, near Lake Cuyamaca, which is in the Cuyamaca Rancho, California State Park in Southern California. Young Carl traveled to Lake Cuyamaca with his family, his parents and older brothers aged 13 and 10. The family arrived at the park on the 18th of July, and the older Reinhardt boys began talking about climbing nearby Kayamaka Peak before breakfast the next morning, the 19th. So, in the morning, the older boys got up at 5 a.m. and set off for the peak, which is further than a mile away from the lake. When Daddy and Mommy Reinhardt woke up, they found that not only were the two older boys missing, so was little Carl. After a few hours, the older boys came back, uh, but not Carl. A search for Carl was started at 11.30 a.m. on the 19th, but Politis says the reports aren't clear if the parents had any idea where Carl went or even if it was suspected that he left with his brothers. The search effort for Carl involved many search teams on the ground, U.S. Army planes flying overhead, and searchers in the lake. At 11.30 a.m. on the next day, the 20th, Carl was found sleeping under a bush a full 12 miles away from his family's camp. The Los Angeles Times described Carl as, quote, scratched and hungry, but otherwise unhurt, end quote. According to Politis, it's important to note that Carl was sleeping because when missing children are found alive, they tend to be sleeping or very groggy. Politis also says that children between the ages of four and six who are missing in mountainous areas are found, uh, are found when they are actually found, 95% of the time they are found 2.3 miles or fewer away from where they went missing. So, like, if they find a missing kid aged four to six that's in a mountainous area, 95% of the time, they're, like, 2.3 miles or fewer from where they went missing, if that makes sense. Uh, To Politis, the distance covered by Carl is suspicious, especially considering that Carl had a birth defect, making it difficult for him to walk. Politis also points out that Carl was found in an area that was previously searched and that there are large boulders in the Kaimaka Peak area. In law, Carl Reinhardt's profile ends with this sentence, quote, Reinhardt is a German surname, end quote. <laughs> I think it's also worth pointing out that, while rare, missing people can be found alive and still be considered missing 411 cases. 
It all depends on the factors of the disappearance. So to recap, here are the profile points covered by this case, which makes it a missing 411. Number one, disability. Carl Reinhardt had a birth defect, making it making walking a challenge. Water. The family was staying by Lake Kayamaka. Distance. Carl was found quite far from the family's camp. Uh, the missing was found in an area that was previously searched. And let us not forget that Reinhardt is a German surname. <laughs> from sunny uh, Southern California, let's head to my home state of Illinois. Come on, bunkers, feel the Illinois. Girls, rock you boys. We'll get wild, wild, wild. But not too wild so that we go missing. <laughs> In this case, Alexander uh, Matland? Maitland. Maitland. Ah, fuck. Always close enough, but never. Always always the bridesmaid, never the bride with me. The pronunciation. Alexander Maitland, aged 26, and Robert Case, aged 14, both disappeared while on a duck hunting trip along the shores of Lake Michigan near Glencoe, Illinois. Now, if you're not familiar with the area, Glencoe is in Chicago's North Shore, which are the suburbs stretching, you guessed it, north from Chicago along the shore of Lake Michigan. So Maitland and Case decided to go duck hunting the afternoon of December 26th, 1927, telling their family, they were uh, brothers-in-law, by the way, to inspect them home for dinner. Well, they never showed for dinner, and the family contacted the police. Search was mounted, which lasted for five days and included efforts from local police and the Coast Guard. According to the Chicago Tribune, Glencoe police borrowed two police dogs from nearby Northbrook, but the dogs couldn't track the two men. Three other dogs trained to follow human scent, likewise, could not find the men. Because Maitland and Case were part of a wealthy family, there was speculation at the time they were kidnapped. A person made a ransom demand, but turned out that was a hoax. There was also speculation that the men fell through the ice on Lake Michigan and died in the lake. The Coast Guard did not agree with this assessment, saying they did not find any evidence of a sunken boat and that the water along the shore was not deep enough for the men to have fallen in and drowned. Ultimately, the men were never found, nor were their bodies ever recovered. Paulides writes that, that the assessment of the Coast Guard is a key factor, making this disappearance a 411 case. Here's what Politi says in law, quote, if the boys didn't fall into the lake and drown, where are they? There are entirely too many young, healthy, and active men that vanished in this area and were either never found or located under circumstances that don't make sense, end quote. So let's discuss the profile points for this case. One is canines. Dogs were used for the search effort, but they couldn't or wouldn't track the missing persons. Hunters. These men were on a hunting trip. While they, uh, we haven't mentioned hunters previously, Paulides highlights when people are experienced hunters or disappear while hunting. In this case, both men were armed, so Paulides finds it difficult to believe that they would have been kidnapped. Typically, Paulides also points out that hunters are generally familiar with the terrain and are experienced in the wilderness. So it makes their disappearances even more strange. One of the Missing 411 books covers stories of missing hunters. It's called Missing 411 Hunters. It's aptly, aptly named. named. <laughs> yeah. Weather. 
The Chicago Tribune notes that rain in the days after the men disappeared helped wash away possible clues to help find the men. And finally, a cluster. As we mentioned, these men disappeared from the Great Lakes region, which is a cluster area for missing 401 cases. Again, those are two examples of cases that are classified by polities as uh, land disappearances. The next group we're going to talk about, following, again, the order in the book, are air disappearances. Now, personally, frankly, I think these are pretty fascinating. In most of these cases, people get into an airplane. The airplane crashes or drops out of communication or otherwise goes missing, and the plane is never recovered. In some cases, the passengers are likewise not recovered. In the introduction to the air section, Politis mentions uh, the disappearance of Malaysian Airlines Flight 370, which disappeared uh, and was never recovered. It's a pretty apt, uh, though grim, analogy for the cases in this section of law. It's worth mentioning, too, that not all planes go missing in the water like MH370 did. Some of these planes go missing over land or and are still never recovered. Also in the introduction to the air disappearance section, Politis cites uh, an Associated Press article from 1976, which reviewed statistics showing at least 75 planes go missing every year. I don't know about you, bunk funkers, but to me, that seems like I have a lot of planes to just completely disappear every year. <laughs> I mean, that's actually shocking. I'm making a very shocked face. Yeah. <laughs> which yeah. Andy can see. Yeah, it's truly shocked. Yeah. Uh, let's dig into some of these missing, vanishing, uh, mysterious, missing, missing planes. Um, first, we're going to start with a case from Scotland. Oh, Scotland. A lot of Scotland in this, in this episode. Ooh, baby. Well, most of the missing 411... I'm not going to do the whole thing. <laughs> uh, don't worry, bunk bunkers. While most of the missing 411 cases come from North America, Paulides has found missing 411 cases from all over the globe, even Antarctica. <laughs> this case comes from Scotland's Isle, Isle of Mull. Uh, which is a little more than 75 miles northwest from Glasgow. The disappearance, uh, the disappeared in this case is a man named Norman Peter. Norman Peter Gibbs, 55 years old, who disappeared December 24th, 1975. Norman Peter Gibbs was, well, he was quite the character. He was a Spitfire pilot with the RAF squadron number 41 during World War II. After the war, Gibbs worked as a professional musician, as a violinist, playing in multiple orchestras in Britain. He was playing with the London Symphony Orchestra in 1956 when he got into a row uh, with the conductor. A row. a row. When he got into a row with the conductor and got the sack. He got into a fight with the conductor and they got thrown out. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, he fought with the conductor right. and he got fired. You got to use a big word that I don't know. Row. I've never seen this word before. It's British English. It's British English. It looks like row. I'm trying to make this story applicable to the, oh, to the location. He got in a you row you do it to sack. trick me so that I sound like a fool. <laughs> he got into a row with the conductor. It's not very the hard. <laughs> they sacked him. Tough work. Anyway, he gets thrown out. In 1957, he joined the Surrey Flying Club and continued to hold a private pilot's license and fly regularly. Gibbs had more than 2,000 hours worth of flight experience. Polides describes Gibbs as, quote, a very accomplished pilot dot, 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 had flown in very dangerous conditions and recognized the ability of whatever plane he was flying, end quote. On December 20th, 1975, Gibbs went to the Isle of Mole with his girlfriend, Felicity uh, Granger. Uh, Gibbs was on the Isle of Mole scouting hotels because he was interested in, in, in buying one. 
The couple were staying at the Glenforsa Hotel. The hotel had a grass airstrip, which did not have runway lights. While staying at the hotel, Gibbs found out that he could rent a Cessna plane from the hotel manager, which he then went and did. On December 24th, 1975, the day Gibbs disappeared, he and Granger flew the Cessna in the morning from the Isle of Mole to the Isle of Skye to look at properties. After looking, they flew back to Mole for dinner at the Glenforsa. After dinner, about 9.30 p.m., Gibbs and Granger went to the airstrip together. Gibbs got a couple of torches to light the airstrip and asked Granger to stay on the airstrip with the torches to guide him in for a landing. Gibbs took off. The plane went out of sight behind some trees, and that was it. Gibbs was never seen alive again. The initial search effort was huge, involving searchers on the ground, in the air, and in the sea. It lasted over a week, but turned up neither Gibbs nor the plane. Then, in April 1976, four months after Gibbs went missing, a local shepherd named Donald, Donald McKinnon found Gibbs' Gibbs's badly decayed body laying across a downed tree on a hillside about a mile from the Glenforsa airstrip. Rescue workers had to cut a branch from the tree to remove Gibbs' body. Politis cites an article from The Guardian, which explained that not only had the search effort covered the hills, this hillside back in December 1975, but that Donald McKinnon himself had personally helped in the search effort and had passed the same spot where Gibbs was found several times since the initial search. Gibbs's body was sent to Glasgow to be examined by a medical examiner. The medical examiner found that Gibbs only suffered small scratches and had no apparent conditions that would have prevented him from walking back to the hotel. The examiner also said the body's condition was consistent with having been in the elements for four months. The examiner officially listed the cause of death as exposure and suggested that Gibbs had died about two hours after he took off. Because Gibbs lacked any signs of being in a plane crash on land, it was suggested that he somehow got out of the Cessna and into the sea, not necessarily that the plane crashed into the water with Gibbs aboard. Then Gibbs climbed up to the hillside where he died. All this despite testing showing that Gibbs' clothing carried no sign of salt or sea organisms. Investigators postulated that traces of being in the sea were washed away during Gibbs's four months on the hillside. Ultimately, if the plane could be found, investigators believed the mystery of Gibbs's death could be solved. In both 1986 and 2004, findings seem to suggest that Cessna flown that the Cessna flown by Gibbs is in the sea off the coast of Oban. Oban is about just about 16 miles across the sea from the Glenforsa Hotel on mainland Scotland. Despite this, the Cessna has never been definitively recovered. While the mystery of Gibbs' death remains technically unsolved, David Paulides suggests that perhaps the drug GHB played a part. In the law profile, Paulides notes that in other books, he has profiled people who were missing, and when they were found, it was determined that high levels of GHB uh, is in their bodies, which explains the missing simply laying down somewhere only to die from exposure. Polides suggests GHB as a uh, possible explanation for other water disappearances profiled in law. If you don't know, GHB is an initialism uh, for gamma hydroxybutyrate. Not bad. Hydroxybutyrate. Hydroxybutyrate. There you go. You did a good job. Uh, which is a central nervous system depressant commonly referred to as the uh, the date rape drug. You might also hear GHB referred to as the forget me pill, G, Georgia homeboy, Georgia homeboy, 
Revis Bodily Harm, uh, La Rocha, Liquid X, Lunch Money, Mind Eraser, Pingus, Rib, Roach, Roach 2, Roaches, Roaches, Ro Ropies, uh, Rocho, Rochas Dos, Roofies, Ruffies, Scoop, Zyram, or Wolfies. Wow. I'm cool, man. I know yeah, a lot you of know all the street, street names. names for stuff. <laughs> and I can pronounce them all correctly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I might also be on GHB most times when we read these scripts. <laughs> I don't know. Something about the way you said I can pronounce them all correctly made me think of like Bobby Flay. <laughs> uh, yeah, Bobby Flay is a he is a, he deals drugs. <laughs> he cooks them up. He's cooking up. He's cooking up a little bit more than a tasty steak. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Oh yeah. People abuse GHB as a party drug at things like you know clubs or raves, which I've been to a lot of. Uh, <laughs> users may experience euphoria and an increase in sex drive, but but they might also lose consciousness, get nauseous, hallucinate, get sweaty, uh, become confused, get amnesia, feel exhausted, or fall into a coma. So you know, pros and cons. Yeah. GHB is odorless and colorless and is often mixed with alcoholic drinks. That's why the drug is often called the date rape drug because it can be slipped into a person's drink. And although the person retains consciousness, they kind of become incapacitated, unable to fend off their attacker. Very sleazy. Yeah. Despite all this illegal usage of GHB, it's also legally used to treat narcolepsy and used in therapy for alcoholism and heroin addiction. So... That's the thing. It's not entirely terrible. It's right. it has a it has a very specific use. One other key point, and this is very key for us here at Mr. <laughs> Bunker's Conspiracy Time, involves the owner of the Cessna piloted by Gibbs that fateful Christmas Eve. Apparently, the owner of the plane was an attorney by the name of Ian Hamilton. Now, we're not suggesting that our arch nemesis, Ian Hamilton, had anything to do with the disappearance of a person in 1975, but we are saying that our arch nemesis, Ian Hamilton's whereabouts on December 24th, 1975 are unaccounted for. Call, call me curious, mm -hmm. but I'm curious. Yeah. 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 All right. This is really just another layer of mystery to this strange cake in this story. <laughs> Interesting indeed. Yeah. It's um, a very viable fact. Look it up in the show notes it's, research. It's there. It's there. Ian Hamilton owned that Cessna. <laughs> we will get to the bottom of this. Uh, now, I think I think the profile points for the Gibbs story are pretty clear. Uh, the area where Gibbs was eventually found had been searched previously and was even revisited by one of the searchers after the official search had concluded. Uh, and then water. Obviously, Gibbs took off from an island, was flying over the water, and it is suspected he ended up in the sea before his death. So far, we've covered L and A disappearances. Let's now hit for the cycle and cover W, water disappearances. As we mentioned earlier, these are where missing persons are found in bodies of water without clear indication why or how the person ended up in the body of water. The case we're about to share is a good example of a water disappearance. In this case, the missing person was Michael Kelleher, 23 years old. Michael disappeared on March 29, 2017. On this night, Michael met some friends at TD Garden Arena, a.k.a. The Garden, in Boston, Massachusetts, to catch the Boston Celtics take on the Milwaukee Bucks. During the game, Michael had a few brews with his bros, and maybe a few more brews than normal as the Celtics lost to the Bucks 103-100. to Hard-fought game, but the Celtics fell short. Can't stop the Greek freak. Can't stop the Greek freak. 
Michael left the garden at 9 p.m., uh, tried three times to get an Uber to take him home, but ultimately never completed a pickup with an Uber. Police determined the last confirmed location for Michael's phone was Paul Revere Landing Park in Boston around 11 p.m. Paul Revere Landing Park is across the Charles River from TD Garden. Michael never did make it home that night, and police were engaged by his family on March 30, 2017. Police searched the Charles River, including using side-scanning sonar equipment to scan the river for multiple hours on April 3, 2017. Neither the sonar equipment nor divers from the Massachusetts State Police were able to locate Michael or any trace of him. Then on April 16, 2017, more than two weeks after Michael disappeared, a person walking along the Charles River near TD Garden noticed something strange in the water. Boston police were summoned and the something in the water was determined to be the body of Michael Kelleher. An autopsy was performed on Michael's body, but the details are not available to the public. Boston police said that Michael's body was free of signs of violence, and police did not suspect foul play. David Pallides is skeptical of police making these kind of statements, rather than the medical examiner. Not that he thinks that police are wrong in this case, but just that the medical examiners have the proper training and knowledge to make these determinations and therefore are better suited to make these kinds of statements. Politis says the important thing in a case like this is how long the body is in the water. If Michael Kelleher was only in the water for a few days, where was he between the time he disappeared and when he reappeared in the Charles River? If he was in the river the whole time, how was his body missed by the sonar equipment and dive team? According to Politis, in other similar cases, officials have sometimes admitted that the bodies of missing persons were not in the water the entire time they were missing. As a recap, here are the key profile points for the disappearance of Michael Kelleher. Water. This is the big one here. Obviously, Michael's body was recovered from a body of water, the Charles River. The area where Michael was found, which was not far from where he was last seen and from where his phone was last confirmed to have been, was previously searched and his body, or any other evidence, was not located. Bunkfunkers, hopefully this gives you a good idea of what makes for a missing 411 case. Here's what David Politi says, quote, I remember an old slogan for the United States Postal Service. If it fits, it ships. Let's apply that to our research. If it fits, it sticks. End quote. That should clear it up if you're still confused. (laughs) Yeah, I think that great line really clears everything up. (laughs) So what do we make of these cases? I mean, that is just a little little crumb of the cake of, of missing 411. For his part, David Polides has been hesitant to suggest an actual answer for what he thinks is happening to people profiled in missing 411 books. In fact, in the conclusion for Law, Polides tells readers to keep an open mind about what might be happening. He says that many have written him with hypotheses, but that many can be proven wrong just by examining the facts. Here's Polides in his own words from Law. Quote, Contrary to what some people think, I am still not sure of what is happening to the missing people. Is it one suspect, multiple entities, a case of abduction, or a series of random acts by something we don't understand? End quote. At points, Polides has hinted that the true case-slash-nature of the disappearances profiled in Missing 401 might be covered up by the National Park Service. Certainly, at minimum, it seems clear that Polides doesn't believe that the Park Service has handled these missing persons cases appropriately. At worst, Polides perhaps believes the key to solving these missing persons cases 
and understanding what happened to the missing is already known to the Park Service. Polides once said, quote, I believe they, they being the National Park Service, do have the data, and the data they possess would shock the average American citizen, end quote. Polides thinks the Park Service holds back this information because they believe people will start to avoid visiting national parks. One thing Polides doesn't think is causing these disappearances is a serial killer or killers. Polides thinks that a serial killer would leave behind more traditional evidence or some indication of their responsibility for these crimes. Since that's not seen, Polides doesn't think a serial murderer is responsible. While David Politis has never given a definitive suspected reason for the missing 411 phenomenon, others have done some speculation for him, thinking that something supernatural is going on. Lots of things have been suggested, like ghosts, fairies, transdimensional abductors or portals, the Wendigo, and Chupacabra. It's also been suggested that people are being abducted from public lands so their organs can be harvested to provide transplants for the rich and powerful. There are those who believe that people are being abducted for sex trafficking purposes or that children are being abducted to use in satanic rituals as sacrifices. As we said, Politis is a self-described Bigfoot and UFO investigator, and both of these things have also been suggested as causes of the mysterious disappearances. Obviously, there's speculation out there that extraterrestrials are abducting people from public lands for study or other purposes. To me, I kind of feel like this is where Politis might be headed since he often points out when a person is exceptional in some way, either with high levels of schooling completed, good at athletics, or with some type of disability. In law, while describing the profile point of a person with disability or illness, Politis writes, quote, Many readers have stated that it appears to them as though someone or something is closely monitoring these people and wants to understand more about their genetic markers, end quote. Sounds like some textbook ET stuff to me. I don't know about you bunk bunkers. <laughs> and then there's the Bigfoot angle, uh, where it's been suggested that a Bigfoot or multiple Bigfoots, big feet, if you will, <laughs> uh, are abducting people in national parks, possibly by via an elaborate network of caves underground. Regardless of Bigfoot's responsibility on social media, the missing 411 cluster map has been overlaid with a map of the largest cave systems in the United States, suggesting that these cave systems somehow play a part in the disappearances. When you look at the two maps together, there does appear to be some correlation. Well, Andy, skeptics would probably say correlation doesn't equal causation, and that's suggesting there's a connection between uh, missing 401 cases and America's cave system is a little misleading. After all, missing 401 started as an effort to document unusual disappearances from U.S. national parks. National parks are home to a lot of caves. It only makes sense there would be some overlap. Plus, as we mentioned, missing 411 cases are only a small fraction of total missing persons cases in the United States. After all, about 600,000 people go missing every year in the U.S., but there are only 1,135 missing 411 cases at the time of writing law. Lots of people go missing that aren't missing 411 cases and therefore may not fit into the cluster map at all. If we were to map all missing persons, we might find something totally different. While we're on the topic of missing 411 skeptics, let's talk about Kyle Polich. Kyle Polich is the host of the Data Skeptic podcast and also wrote a piece about missing 411 for the Skeptical Inquirer, which was based on a talk he gave regarding missing 411. Polich selected random pages um, using a random number generator from missing 411 
Western United States and Canada, which is the first missing 4-in-1 book released. Polish verified the facts of the first case on each page reviewed. Overall, Polish found the facts are presented by Polides were pretty much accurate. He's ac- Polides is accurate in presenting the facts. Missing 411 covers real missing persons cases and provides real information on those cases. As for the mystery of missing 411, Polich says this, quote, On the whole, I find no outstanding cases in my research of missing 411. There's a surprising absence of anything spooky. No one is found a decade later without having aged a day or a missing 411 victim hasn't appeared enigmatically on the opposite side of the world. No cryptic notes or ciphers appear in the book's pages. The cases are disappointingly typical of what one would expect from a missing person's case. The proposed unusualness of these cases seems hardly greater than one would find for a rare and unplanned occurrence such as a disappearance, end quote. College also looked at some data to determine if people are more likely to disappear from a national park than from some other place. College found that people are probably less likely to disappear from a national park than from an urban area. While Pollich isn't buying into the paranormal aspect, is he biting on the idea floated by David Pollitis that the National Park Service is purposely withholding information on missing persons from the public? Well, no, not really. Politis has complained at points that the National Park Service has been uncooperative or evasive in responding to information requests from him. As Pollich points out, Politis has written a lot of books on the topic and probably has filed and continues to file a bunch of requests for information from the National Park Service. To Pollich, it's probable that the, Nas- that the Park Service maybe doesn't respond in the fashion Politis expects because his requests are costly to fulfill and take up a lot of resources to respond to. While I think it's fair to say that maybe the Park Service should just respond to all of Politis' requests the same way, it's not necessarily evidence of an elaborate conspiracy to cover up something. Polish talked with a representative from the Park Service who said that missing persons cases are entered into a database called the National Law Enforcement Telecommunications System, or NLETS. Law enforcement agencies all across the country have access to NLETS. Further, Polich talked with a former park ranger and current author who suggested that the Park Service could use some reform because rangers are overworked and undertrained to handle some of the law enforcement type responsibilities given them. Maybe additional resources would lead to better investigations of persons missing in U.S. national parks. Polich sees the criticism of the organization of the National Park Service and the ranger system as possible evidence of a poorly run or maybe even corrupt government agency not necessarily evidence of a vast conspiracy. On that same topic, but with a bit of a different view, in 2017, John Billman wrote a piece for Outside Magazine on disappearances from U.S. national parks. In this piece, Billman found that the U.S. government doesn't keep very good statistics on people that disappear from national parks. The U.S. Department of Justice maintains a database of missing persons, but reporting to the system is only mandatory in 10 states. And use by law enforcement and or coroners is likewise not very mandatory. That means many missing people don't end up in that system. Further, Billman reports that in the wake of September 11th, 2001 terrorist attacks on the USA, the U.S. Department of the Interior, the agency responsible for the National Park Service, decided to build a database to track law enforcement actions on all lands managed by the Interior Department. Apparently, employees at the Interior Department agencies hate this system because it it sucks a big fucking fat ass <laughs> and is fucked beyond repair. Yes. 
<laughs> that could also be that's also a great way to describe Andy and I. Yeah, yeah, I think that should be our the slogan for Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time <laughs> podcast. Sucks ass and is fucked to be on repair. <laughs> Billman found that in 2016, quote, only 14% of the several hundred reportable incidents were entered into it. The system is so flawed that the Fish and Wildlife, that's the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, another Interior Department agency, has said no thanks and refuses to use it, end quote. Aside from the reporting and tracking of missing persons, there's also the matter of actually investigating these disappearances. According to Billman, if you disappear inside a national park in the U.S., the search for you could play out very differently depending on the park or even which part of the park in which you disappear. Billman writes, quote, While big national parks like Yosemite operate almost as sovereign states with their own crack search and rescue teams, go missing in most western states and, with the exception of New Mexico and Alaska, statutes that date back to the Old West stipulate that you're now the responsibility of the county sheriff, end quote. Given that there really are very few codified standards on how to conduct search and rescue efforts, different jurisdictions can put wildly different amounts of resources towards such efforts. If you go missing in a national park in an area that's relatively poor and or sparsely populated, the search could be fairly limited due to financial slash uh, expertise constraints. Regardless of anything we've talked about here, one thing is abundantly clear. Lots of people go missing all the time for lots of different reasons. While it seems like most of these disappearances have reasonable explanations, maybe some of them are unexplainable. Maybe, to understand these cases better, we actually need to consider the possibility that something supernatural might be at work here. Bone Funkers, whatever you do, if you do go into the wilds of this earth, make sure you're prepared. Be knowledgeable about where you're going and make sure you're ready for the elements. If you can, bring a friend. People are generally safer in groups than by themselves. Tell people where you're going, what you plan to do, and when you expect to return. Leave a note on your car. Take every precaution you can. Because if you find yourself out in the woods, not sure where you are, you'll be glad you did the little things, like filling up your canteen, packing a heaping helping of the whole enchilada. Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast will be right back after this brief message. Bunk Funkers, this is Andy, and I'm here with my co-host, your co-host, Art, uh, and we're coming at you today to let you know that we launched a Patreon, uh, so if you have the means and you want to support the show, come visit us at patreon.com slash Pod and consider becoming a subscriber. Get an extra podcast episode every month of our brand new show, Andy and Art Debunked, available only on Patreon. We're going to be covering uh, various urban legends and myths. We'll do TV and movie commentary tracks and reviews. We'll do pop culture conspiracies and much, much more. Becoming a subscriber will also get you access to our Discord channel where you can chat with me and Art and other bunk funkers from around the globe. 
You also get plenty of behind-the-scenes content and much, much more. So, please, help us support the show and keep the lights on in the bunker. Visit us at patreon.com slash MrBunkerPod and become a subscriber today. Welcome back, Bunk Funkers. That was our research, our slice into Missing 411. But we're not missing. We're right here. We're right here. We're just where we always are. I'm on the open face toilet. You're not going to miss these ugly mugs. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) Literally, we have these like, I mean, Peon Musk has started (laughs) doing pottery. Doing pottery and there's not, he's never good at it. Andy, I mean, I got to tell you, you know, obviously very, this is, this is scary in a different way. Scary because it's real. Yeah, people. Very real. Very real. I mean, that's the thing about this is that uh, I think that there's been some kind of speculation from some corners that maybe uh, David Politis has like sort of invented some of these missing persons cases. Not, not, not true. Like he, he has sources. He cites things. He, uh, you know, you can look at these up. These are real, real cases. He's a little bit like us. He might be a fucking, I mean, not like us at all. He's handsome. He's He's getting rugged. He's manly. He's a nice mustache. His testosterone levels are above average. Yeah, he's an accomplished athlete and coach. Accomplished. He's beautiful family. Beautiful family. He probably doesn't have any existential dread whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. He knows how to cook chicken really well. Yeah, he's he's an outdoorsman. <laughs> yeah. But he ain't a fucking liar. He's not a liar. He's a lot like of us. He's a lot of positive things, but he's not a liar. <laughs> we're a lot of negative things, but we're not liars. That's right. Um Gosh, where do we even start here? Where where the fuck a, do we even start? You know, I mean, my parents took me camping a lot. I've actually been camping a lot, but uh, my parents took me camping a lot when I was a little baby. They used yeah. to tell me stories like they would like actual camping, like tents. Right. Andy, I could have been one of these missing 411 cases. You know, uh, we talked about Carl Reinhardt in the script. Um, in that in that section in law, uh, David Politis mentions that, you know, he doesn't know what the, t- obviously this was like, uh, in the 1920s, 1930s. When was that one? I can't remember, but uh, off the top of my head. But anyway, uh, as we mentioned, you know, the, the bullies were 10 and 13, the older boys, and then Carl was five. Right. It's not clear if the parents knew that the 10 and the 13-year-old were going to do this hiking thing. Oh, uh, yeah. But Politis is kind of like, I'm not sure what the times were like, but the idea of letting a 10 and a 13-year-old like hike to a mountain by themselves Seems like a pretty bad idea. And as a parent, like, I got to agree with him. I mean, but this is like the 1930s. If you were 13 years old, you had like a full-time job and a full family. (laughs) Yeah. Well, (laughs) no, but I mean, mean, yeah, we definitely will look at it differently today, probably. No, I agree. But I mean, 1930s. Plus, we don't know about the lives of the Reinhardts. Like, did they live out on a farm or something? Right, right, right. Like, maybe these, these, like, kids are accustomed to, like, working Uh, on a farm. I don't know. I mean... And when I was 13 year olds, I, when I was 13, I was a latchkey kid. I was walking home by myself. Yeah. You know, and that's not, I would, it's like, I look back on that and I was like, why the fuck would they, I was, what was I going to do? I was 13. Right. It really makes you think now. And I was like the guardian of kids younger than me. I, I walked some of the neighborhood kids home. Right. Who were younger than me, but like they lived near us. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck was I going to do? Yeah. Yeah. If an adult man came and tried to abduct you. Yeah, because like the whole the whole thing about Stranger Danger is always like they're getting to the they'll get they'll open a van, be like, hey, come here, come inside of it. But I feel like if somebody just tried to abduct us 
forcefully. Yeah. What was I going to do? Yeah. When you were 13, you were like, what, 65 pounds soaking wet? <laughs> I had a peach fuzz mustache that I refused to shave. <laughs> I didn't shave until uh, like the day I never, went to high school. Never shaved. I've never shaved. He's my not mustache. shaved since. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it does make you think about this. I mean, you know, and the scary thing is like the, I mean, the, the, the skeptical Polish data like seemed to indicate way more people go missing in urban areas. Yeah. So like you were in an urban area. Yeah. If anything, you were probably more at danger <laughs> doing that than you were yeah. camping. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> like it's scary. There's a lot to branch off to. Yeah. Because in urban areas, there's actual, like there's, there's pedophiles and criminals everywhere, but like, what kind of makes me laugh is like the idea that in some of these missing four and one books or in some of the responses to it, people think that there might be like a sex predator that's abducting these kids. And I'm kind of saying, who the fuck are these rugged mountain man <laughs> sex predators camping out in the fucking woods looking for little boys? You know, I, I, I do think that probably like, <laughs> like you, you look at the missing four one one, like spectrum of cases. <laughs> Are like are, are we gonna find that there's one thing about it? Probably not. Like there's a variety of reasons. Like I'll bet some of these are probably like sexual predators. I mean, Andy. But I agree with you. It's like it, this rugged, like fucking mountain cowboy man out in the fucking rural wilderness, like living in the woods amongst nature, hunting for food and little boys. Right. It's right. Like, what, I, are you, what are you? What are you? They're camping out in the wilderness, yeah, just waiting for little yeah, boys. Yeah. I mean, it, it. It would be a lot easier. But then you have to think. Like, it would be a lot easier in urban areas. But then you have to think, like, there are probably sex predators that live in rural places. Probably. And then, probably you know, so. if you live near a national park and there's not a lot of, like, city life where you could go abduct children. Yeah. It's like the national parks. There's lots of people visiting because they have those areas that are, like, you know, it's not like it's not like wilderness camping. It's like gentle camping where it might be easy to come and abduct children. I don't know. Uh, but it depends on the circumstances. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, there's, we've obviously, like, I watched the Missing 401 movie, which yeah. at the time of this recording is free on YouTube with ads. Uh, I wasn't too impressed by it, but, like, I can't answer some of these questions. I really can't. You know, the big case that they cover is, I think it's Dior Coons. He's, like, this little three- or four-year-old boy who went missing from a national park out in, like, mm -hmm. Idaho or Wyoming. And it's like the parents were like five feet away from him. They turned their backs. It's like they were going to go down to the creek to go fish. And then the little boy was following them. And they were like, do you want to come or do you want to stay with grandpa back at the camp? The little boy goes, ah, I'm going to stay with grandpa because he has candy. So they're like, okay. And he turns around and they see him walking towards the camp. And they're like, okay, he'll be fine. And they turn around and they go to the creek. And then they come back and they're like, grandpa, where's the little baby? They're like, he's like, oh, it disappeared. They've never found him. And so, you know, there's a big media frenzy. People think the parents killed a, killed the kid. The, the grandpa had his mental faculties weren't there. Yeah. You know, he was like on oxygen or something. Grandpa brought along his friend who was also kind of weird, a little off. People think it might have been, but it's like they were on a, they, they were on like a big gravel road. And the campsite was next to a very sheer, almost no one was coming down from that cliffside that they wouldn't have heard. And nobody could have really driven up or even walked up the gravel road. Cause it was, you know, gravel's very loud. 
it's like, where the fuck did that kid go? And they, they just, just, they never, they didn't find anything. Yeah. No boots, no, no shoes, clothing. See, to me, a lot of questionable decisions there. Oh, right? yeah, I know. You're a parent. Look, look, I'll tell you a story about my own, from my own life, ripped from my life headlines. Uh, ripped from the book of Andy Hart. I went to a Walgreens one day with my son when he was like <sighs> oh, two years that. old. And he was like, you know, like doing what kids do. And it's like, I said, okay, we got to go to this and do this thing. And he's like, wants to run down the aisles and like have me chase him and stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to get in, into this in a store. Like, I'm not going to encourage this. So I'm just going to like, I'm going to keep an eye on him so I can see where he is, but I'm not going to like chase him. And I'm going to like keep telling him that he has to stop. And this is the terrible twos. And I'm like, I'm not going to run in the store. I'm not going to look like a, like a, like a maniac running through a store, like a bull through a China shop. And like he, he went around a corner and I, I like get over there and I'm looking for him. And he's not there. And I start to freak out like instantly. Because he's gone. Yeah. And I'm like, where did he go? Well, I go around the next aisle. He's running out the door into the parking lot. What the fuck? He just took off into the parking lot. Jesus Christ. And it's right on the corner of two streets. So, like, he could have just, like, if I had been even a little bit slower. Like, so I just bolt out the door and, like, grab him. And then he was, like, in big trouble. Yeah. But it's like, I mean, kids do unpredictable stuff all oh, the yeah. time. Yeah. It's not like he, I mean, he was at that age where he was like just on the cusp of understanding that yeah. a parking lot is dangerous. But like, I mean, the other day I got him from school. He's four years old now. He walked into the parking lot at the school. Like just without, he was with a friend and they just walked into the parking lot without looking. And it's like. Kids don't, kids aren't observant and at some yeah, stuff and they don't, they don't understand everything. They're they, completely useless for a long, long time. Yeah, they are. Absolutely. <laughs> and they make a lot of questionable decisions and <laughs> things that don't make sense to anybody else. So it's like, to me, if you say, okay, we were walking to a creek bed and the kids in the back, it's like, first, that's mistake number one. Like the kids should be in front or in between right. two people. Right. That way, like, like when I'm, when I'm walking with people, like I always want to be the last person because then I can see what's happening. Right. Like, first of all, nobody cares if I get abducted from being at the end of the line. <laughs> no one's like, abducting I fall down you. a cliff. No nobody, one's abducting you. Nobody, yeah, right. Exactly. I'm a poor abduction target. <laughs> first of all. Have to be, there's going to have to be like eight different pedophile strongmen. Well, I guess <laughs> I'd like to kid. see him lift me. <laughs> yeah, I'd like there's, to see him. Look, there's literally no reason to abduct me. I have nothing. <laughs> I'm not worth anything. <laughs> I'm not, I, like, I'd have nothing to offer anybody who would abduct another person. Like, you picked the You picked the lowest fruit. Right. Lowest hanging fruit, buddy. So it's fine for me to be in the back of the line. Like, if you know, and if something happens to me, people will be like, whatever. He deserves like, it. Yeah, he, fine. It was not that big a deal anyway. But then it's like, then I can see stuff that's happening. So, you know, it's like when I'm out with my family, I always go in the back. That way I can see what they're up to. And then it's like, it's a good opportunity to like say, hey, watch out for this. Or like, right. you're not paying attention. Or you just hold on to the kid. Yeah. You make them hold your hand. Yeah. Which them. I know kids' hands are gross. Hand holding is is fine too. That works great. You know. I mean, I'm not sitting here trying to shit on these parents. I'm not No, parent, they've been know. through a horrible thing. They've been through a horrible thing. But there are a lot of these where it's kind of just like, yeah, the kid gets missing. But then the question kind of becomes, how the fuck do they get where they end up? Because yeah. there are the missing persons cases where they end up being found and they're like 18 miles away and you're like, in the missing 401 movie, 
Les Stroud makes multiple appearances. And they're trying to decide for this one case, which involves a German surname. Uh, maybe. I forget his name. I'm going to call him Carl. And uh, Carl, little baby Carl, this was like in the 1950s. He went missing. He was two years old. And he ended up like so fucking far away. He had to go through barbed wire fence. This was like a cattle area, uh, cattle ranching area in wherever the fuck, Idaho, Oregon. I don't remember. And he ends up, he's just so far away. And Les Stroud walks the path that he allegedly walked. And he was like out of breath and tired. He's like, how the fuck did this kid get all the way over here? Like, I don't know. I yeah. can't explain that. Yeah. I mean, I think that kids get lost easy. Yeah, because they because they don't have a good sense of direction. But you think that at some point they would just get tired and stop. Yeah. But I guess they also don't need as much energy, right? Kids, I don't know. kids, I don't know. Kids have a lot of energy. It's true. Like, I mean, have you ever like been around a child, like a young child? How old was this kid? Two. Have you ever been around a two-year-old and somebody goes, "Boy, this is a really lethargic two-year-old." No. Like this kid needs to like, like everywhere I ever took my kid, people were like, "Man, I wish I had a quarter of his energy." Your kid has a lot of energy. Yeah, I mean, I know that it's my like my kid is probably like exceptionally energetic, but yeah. like I think he's, kids he's, in he's general. A, yeah, he's got it. I mean, he's he's energetic. No, I like have if he little, got lost. I mean, there's no telling how far away he could get if he didn't know where he was going because he would just keep going. Yeah. Probably. I have little cousins who are around your kid's age, and it's like they just they don't stop. Ever, they just got you got to keep going, going, going. I'm yeah, like, dude, I'm fucking tired. Yeah. I don't want to play Spider Man. Gets kicked in the nuts. By Batman again, fifty and again, times and again, and again, a row. Again. You like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> they do just, it the same. I'm like, can we, can we play? Can you yes and with me? I'm trying to do fucking improv rules with him, and he's just not getting it. This yeah. kid is not going to be a good improviser. He's never going to make a Herald team. <laughs> Boy, nobody's going to make a Herald team anymore. That's true. <laughs> Theater's gone. He can make his own Herald team. Um, yeah. I mean, I figured you'd say something. There's just certain ones where it's kind of. I like, mean, that like through the barbed Freddie wire Gibbs. and stuff like that's a weird one. Where, how, like, where did that plane go? How did his body get into the tree? What happened? Uh, yeah, Gibbs is a Gibbs is a wild one because I mean, honestly, there's the whole issue of like the plane appears to be at the bottom of the sea. Yeah. I mean, they found it like a guy doing like clam diving in 1986. I mean, literally diving for clams, not performing oral sex on anybody. Okay. He wasn't diving for bearded clams. Right, right. This was the regular sea clams. Okay. Uh, like found a plane under the water while he was like snorkeling. And then, you know, this like, uh, there were some, uh, some naval ships that were doing like coastline mapping. And so they were using like uh, sonar or whatever to like map the coastlines. Mm-hmm. And they found it an airplane that was at the bottom of the sea. Now the, nobody's ever like pulled it out of the sea mm. and like checked it. But I mean, it seems most people I think are pretty convinced that it's probably the Cessna that, that Peter Gibbs was in. Um, so it's like that ended up there. How did he end up, you know, back at the, you know, cause this is a cross, like this is not like right beside each other. You know what I mean? Like this is not the sea right off the Isle of Mole. This is the sea like 20 miles away, like, yeah. like by the mainland. So how the fuck did he get to where he was? So it's like, did the plane crash and then like sort of drift over there and sink and nobody noticed it? And, and like, then how did he, like, obviously he ended up on the hillside, like, like less than a mile from the hotel. 
Like he was very close, you know, like, or about a mile from the airstrip. Like he was very close to the Glen Forsa. So like the only thing that they can really think is that he either jumped out of the plane and into the sea or the plane crashed into the sea, like right off of the coast. And then he like climbed up on the hillside. He had been in the sea, climbed on the hillside uh, and just sort of like succumbed to uh, exposure. But then they say, why wouldn't he just walk? He had no apparent condition that would keep him from just walking back to the hotel. But maybe he was too deep in. I don't know. Maybe he was in the water for a while. Like, I kind of I kind of feel like Politis here. Like, did he have a drug in his system? Like, they probably wouldn't have checked for GHB at the time. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. That's the thing with some of these cases is they are just... They really fucking make you scratch your head and go, what the fuck happened? I, yeah. You know, a lot of these these wilderness ones, um, you know, you think, oh, mountain lion, eagle, some kind of big, big predatory bird could easily pick up a two-year-old, take him far away, mountain lion. But then it's like you, they never have blood on them. Their clothes end up being ripped off. And yeah, there's this one they, they look at in the missing 411 book where, or the movie, I know we're discussing different ones here, bunk funkers, but you know, uh, the the movie has this like little boy. He's five years old, and he gets lost in one of these uh, mountainous areas or national parks, and they can't find him for the longest time. They literally they comb the whole fucking place, the whole creek, and then years later, they find his the cap of his skull, a tooth, both pristine, picked clean. His shirt, his shoes, which also are just sitting out, perfectly clean, pristine shoes, look like they haven't been touched in years. Hmm. And his pants, the little boy's pants, which were turned inside out and picked apart, looked like they'd been ripped apart. And it's kind of like, you know, they, they, they interview the dad. That's very heart-wrenching, but, you know, the dad is like, I refuse to believe that it's a mountain lion because a mountain lion would have, there would have been blood. It would have, if, if he would have been eaten, there would have been blood. There would have been mountain lion fibers on the clothing. None of that. Mountain lion would have tore his innards out. And I mean, he's a little kid. You have a little kid. You know, they can't really dress themselves or undress <laughs> themselves. So how the fuck did he take off all of his clothes? And why? And then they're like, okay. Then they find his like tooth and skull on an area that they already had searched mm -hmm. years later. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, I think that's the thing that gets me is this, I don't know, dude. Yeah. Like stuff like that is very baffling. And the ones where they've searched already, like, like even Gibbs, you know, it's like they searched that area and I then know. he's, he's in a, he's on a downed tree. Like how could they have, and they had to cut a branch to get him away. It's like, is it because he, his body had decayed or is it because he was like under the branch? You know, it just doesn't, or like the, the Michael Kelleher thing. Like they find him in the river, but they, they use sonar. They went up and down the river with sonar. Yeah. Like how was he like, was, and we have no idea. Was he in the water the whole time or did he end up there after he had disappeared? And that's in a highly populated urban area. Yeah. That's like in Boston. That's, I mean, and he's right by the garden. Like this is a big, there's lots of people filtering in through there, tourists and locals. You know, I had written, I was written like, I, you know, 
Don't fuck with Mother Nature. I have that written down in my notes. Mother Nature <laughs> is built. She's yeah. got big thighs. Powerful. Yeah. Power crush powerful thighs. She'll fucking crush you. Well, you know, I think a lot of these are like, you know, people people are unfamiliar with the area. Yeah. Uh, even if they're athletic and stuff, you know, they're by themselves. You could be pretty athletic, but hiking will take it out of you. Yeah, for sure. One little slip. Yeah, you can fall and get stuck somewhere. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like there are other, you know, incongruities, but I would guess, I, I mean, my gut kind of says maybe that, that a lot of these have sort of mundane explanations, like horrible explanations, but also like not anything that you would say, oh, that's super duper weird. Like with this little kid, like maybe they missed the body. The kid was dead. Like then animals start getting at it, like, you know, maggots and birds that yeah. would do a little more of a picking than a like ripping right. and tearing hypothermia he takes off his clothes yeah i mean again you know you if know. he's too if he doesn't know how to take off his clothes i don't know how how that works in a paradoxical undressing state and i have no idea how you find all the clothing in different areas i mean obviously birds are picking at the, the fleece he's wearing like fleece pants also there's for netting also nesting. The, yeah also there's this thing of like um where people burrow yeah like if they're going to die from hypothermia, like people have been observed to like exhibit burrowing behaviors. Uh -huh. So that's a possible explanation that gets floated sometimes too. I mean, I don't know in a lot of these cases if it makes sense that we talked about specifically, but it's kind of like people will burrow because it's like they're hibernating because mm -hmm. of the hypothermia. So, I mean, I assume that the same rebuttal for the paradoxical undressing would be the same for this burrowing behavior, but it could explain why some people aren't found right away. Because they've sort of burrowed a little bit and then are unearthed later by like, you know, rain and stuff like changes the soil. Um, Andy, if I went missing, would you uh, come look for me? Um, would you lead a search party for me? Andy? I would participate in a search party. You sure. would participate, but you wouldn't lead. Yeah. You know, our how many days, Andy? How many days out of your busy schedule would you come looking for your fucking podcast co-host two hours a week uh art one of the andy god damn it i need to know if you're gonna come two hours a week search for me two hours a week i need more time i need to I know if you're it. gonna be ride or die andy you wouldn't fucking search for me why do i feel like if i went missing <laughs> and you're in a search party and you find me and i'd be like oh thank god i'm saved and you'd be like oh no i'm fucking lost now <laughs> Oh shit, I no. should have stayed with the group. <laughs> yeah, we'd both be lost. Um, you know, this is one of the real tragic things. Uh, reading the Billman piece for Outside Magazine. Like, he starts off telling this story about a guy who goes missing uh, at a park in Colorado. And, you know, it's like after a few days, like, law enforcement just they stop looking because they're like, we can't, we don't have a lead. We don't have anything else we can search. We've been, yeah. we've searched everything. Yeah. And Awful. like the guys, the missing person, the, the missing person's dad just like quits his job, like sells his business, sells his house and just like has, it goes full-time searching because like everything then after that is like out of pocket. And it's, it's Jeez. like, I mean, if anything, I think this is like probably the big thing that Politis has turned up is that people go missing and then like, we only search for a little bit of time and then they just kind of like the case stays open, but nobody's really like looking for them. 
you know that's a good segue i think because I, I do want to talk about politis himself yeah i obviously have a few things to say <laughs> uh which you may or may not know but uh um, oh boy well i'll just say this politis i'm gonna plead with you to fucking get a new website <laughs> update your website you haven't updated it since the early 2000s you don't have an SSL. You're not encrypted. It's not a safe place. It's the only fucking place you can buy his books is this, is this shitty website. There's plenty of other places. You don't have to use Amazon. You can use other places to put your books up, okay? People are reselling his fucking books on Amazon for like hundreds of dollars. Yeah. You can only get them on his stupid website, Yeah, if you, which is unsafe. Get your Squarespace. Use Wix. There's so many options for you, David Politis. I know you're making money on these books. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Bunkfungers, if you want to go buy a Missing 411 book, make sure you go to the NABS website, the North America Bigfoot Search God. website. That's the only place you can buy it reputably. Um, Pisses me off. You know, if you look on Amazon, the books are wildly expensive because they're resellers. If you if you do buy a book, don't try to resell it because Politis hates that. They don't sell to resellers. If they find out you're a reseller, they'll cancel your order. Uh, and David Politis will come to your house and show you what's what. Yeah, he'll beat the shit out of you and then have sex with your wife. <laughs> now, if you're into that, go for it. Yeah. Now, if you do order and a book- And then raise your kids better than you would. Yeah, and he will do a better job than you. Um, if you do buy a book from the Missing 411 collection, or even if you buy one of uh, Politis' Bigfoot books, which are also available on the NAB store, um, like the Hoopa Project or Tribal Bigfoot. That's Bigfoot playing basketball, right? Oh, yeah, Hoopa. <laughs> yeah. Hoopa! Hoopa! Um, if you do buy one of the books from the NABS website, uh, what you will receive in the mail is a uh, uh, a book uh, mailer uh, from the U.S. Postal Service with a handwritten address label, possibly written by David Politis himself, because that's what I received. Wow. Get the fuck out of town. Handwritten. No way. Yes. Handwritten. David you can upgrade to these new systems, okay? It's going to help you out, buddy. I'm promising you. Uh, you don't need to have an unsecure... I, I am I am afraid of your website because it is unsecure. <laughs> I don't know what database are you using to store the fucking processing information for payment. Um, I don't like it. Just move. Get to the new century. Make a new website. It's very easy. Hey, contact me. I'll help you. Yeah, David, if you if you do want a new website uh, design, like email us, MrBunkerPod at gmail.com and uh, Art will Art'll sort it out for you. It's not that hard. I helped Mr. Bunker set up the MrBunkersConspiracyTime.com yeah. website. Yeah. Works fine. He works great. It's a website. A lot of... Uh, Gets all the info. A lot of risque pictures of Peon Musk showing up on that website lately. All right. Well, listen. You know, he, I think he got access to the system admin blog features and he's just kind of been <laughs> posting. I think he's kind of discovered, you know, he, he might think it's social media. He's discovering himself. <laughs> yeah. Andy, I'm still a little hurt that you wouldn't come look for me, but. I said two hours a week. Ah, it's not long enough. I would look for you. I would walk fucking 500 miles, Andy. And then I would walk 500 more to look for you. But I know I'd find you. It's a Scottish group. I know I'd I I would know all the haunts. Yeah, yeah. I'd find every place that sells sausages. Yeah, yeah. There's not that many places radius. that I go. I'm not gonna end up missing five mile radius. I'm not going camping. That's for sure. You don't like camping? Yeah. No, no. Why? You don't like it? No. Why? Why would anyone? Why does anyone like camping? Oh, I love it. Why do you live in a house then? Because I'd like to go. I mean, you know, it's you know. 
you could you could skip all this uh all the uh the trappings of the material life and just live in the grass it's nice to get outdoors andy go out into nature yeah, you can go outside i don't have to sleep in it the best part about going outside is coming back inside it's nice you go well, I out deprive myself of that in the fucking wilderness makes you appreciate what you have in modern society yeah I already appreciate it, so I don't need to go camping. I appreciate it so much. I don't. I didn't feel know the... you hated camping. We've never talked about this. I already appreciate modern life so much. I don't feel the need to even go camping. <laughs> You're a camp hater. I'm not jaded. You didn't like about camp. this one thing. I don't know. I grew up camping, so I don't know. It's in my blood. Yeah, I grew up in a house. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Polides other than his shitty website, okay. which he needs to read. Do you have some more bones to pick with him? No, what do you think? Do you think he's a charlatan? Because some people, he he has an element of you, Andy, in a way where he uh, he kind of says like, huh, pretty weird, huh? <laughs> this missing case, maybe something paranormal is going on. And then you're kind of like, is something paranormal going on? And he's kind of like, hmm, look, UFOs. Look, I I, you know, what do you think? Portals could be portals. He's talked about this at like, like paranormal conventions and like MUFON symposiums and stuff like. Like I feel like that's where he's headed, you know that it's yeah. that it's that it's Bigfoot, that it's extraterrestrial. I think in other books he, he talks about it on Coast of Coast. Yeah, he leans in it a little harder in other books, I think too. Yeah, and 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 you know it's like he's he's like trying to like stay away from it, and I get it. Like, and I applaud him in a way for saying, uh, keep an open mind, and like we have to consider all the evidence and stuff to find a true explanation for this. Like, I think that's good, a good thing to say. Um, but I also think that he like benefits commercially oh, 100%. by creating more mystery on top of the existing mystery by right. like sort of floating these ideas out there, but not really ever definitively saying this. Um, you know, I saw some chatter on the internet that like at a MUFON event last month or something, he, he finally like confirmed that he thinks that Bigfoot has something to do with some of these cases. Now, I don't have any like clips or anything that I can share. That's just like internet chatter. Right. But like, who knows? Maybe the time is coming that it's going to be some, he's going to make some pronouncement of what he thinks. But I, I overall, I think like probably where he would go is like, well, they don't all have the same explanation. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, oh, here's, because he's already said with some of these water cases, he thinks that it's, that it's GHB and that people are disappearing. They're having the date rape drug put in drinks or whatever, um, for whatever reason. And then that's making them like, you know, like, like Peter Gibbs, like just lay down and die because they, they, they don't have the energy to like go on or whatever. They're yeah. like, they're not making good decisions. And so they just, then they become victims of exposure. Um, but he also points out, and I don't know how true this is that, uh, it's not normal for like coroners to test you for GHB when they do like a toxicology screen. Mm. So like this is not part of normal testing. You have to ask for that specifically. So if you, you know, these people die and they don't find anything, well, maybe they just didn't test for it. And I think that's a good point. That's a valid point. And not every coroner, not every medical examiner, not every search team is the same. Right. That's, like that's a real big thing about this. And I will say this, though, he is doing even if he is a bit of a, you know, he's making money off this. He's trying to do this paranormal angle. He's still talking about something that 
is important, which is missing yeah. people. Yeah. And he brought to light that, yeah, there isn't a national registry for missing yeah. people. Yeah. I mean, I think that in like the parks, I think he's actually, I mean, it's easy to say like, yeah, well he makes, he makes money off of this. And so he's got incentive to like, cause he can just research some of these cases. He does like pretty factual write-ups in the book yeah. without like really having to like say anything about them other than the facts. Right. Um, and so, like, I think as far as, like, putting together a book, like, it's a lot of work, but it's not, like, hard necessarily. Right. Like, I don't, you know, it's not like he has to, like, comb a lot of data and, like, figure out, you know, the trends or whatever. It's just kind of like, yeah, this looks like a case, so I'll profile it's not like it. like a true crime case where there's, like, yeah. fucking 18 layers of steps yeah. to get to the murder. It's just, like, a story and then someone's gone. Yeah, I mean, that said, I think that he does a good job of, like, researching and presenting some of the facts of the cases. But, like, beyond that, it's, like, it's kind of kind of good what he's doing because it really showcases that, like, hey, people are, like, this is kind of alarming. Like, this is weird. At, look it's at how anomaly. many people are just gone forever. And, like, you know, the differences in how they're handled. Like, why aren't there national standards for search and rescue i don't know on our national parks and why would a national park why would the park service not be responsible why would they turn it over to law enforcement and then in some cases unless it's a crime law enforcement doesn't do anything yeah because they'll say well there's no foul play we find no evidence there's nothing for us to do like right. we investigate crimes we don't find missing people i feel like it's kind of twofold like one i feel like you know they don't want to they don't want to bring that to light as like an initiative. Like, hey, we made a national registry of missing people. Also, by the way, thousands and thousands of people are going missing in these yeah, national yeah. parks. They want people to go to national parks. Right. Because it's like a thing that they want people to do. Yeah. And I think not every national park, like we said in the sh in the script, has the money of like Yosemite. Yosemite's, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, fucking King Kahuna. There's a lot of little rinky dick national parks where like, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like the ranger is probably some dude who's just like, I don't know, lived around here my whole life. Yeah, yeah. There was a, uh, yeah. And he like, like knows a, a lot about like the wild, the fowls in the game and like stuff like that. But like someone goes missing, it's kind of like, oh, fuck. Well, mountain lion probably got him. Let's close the books here, boys. We got better things to do. Yeah. Like I read about a national park where there were only like two rangers. Because it's like it's if it's a small park or not even a small park, but like a not very often visited small in yeah, in, it's probably in, like in national park, huge in number of acres, but it's like small uh, as far as like it's unbelievable size. how fucking we forget sometimes how big this fucking country it's is. Enormous. It's enormous. I mean, there are mass. millions and millions of acres. It's unbelievable that are that are public lands. Yeah. Um, but I think I think that you do. Um, you know, you bring up a good point with that. It's like there's different ranger staffing and different levels of competency. And so like that, I mean, it seems reasonable to me to say like, well, we probably should clean that up. And you think what, what national park wants to answer that when, like, yeah, like yeah. when they, they go to the guy Salazar and they, they try to like kind of, they don't corner him, right, but they ask him, it's right. like, you think they want to say like, listen, people are stupid. They go fucking missing. They don't treat mother nature. They don't right. treat wilderness the right way or something bad happens right. and they get fucked. What do you want me to fucking say? Yeah. It's like Salazar they need can't, to put me in charge. Salazar can't come out and be like, people are inattentive and careless and yeah. they do stupid stuff. And you they can't do, say that. They do things that they shouldn't do. And we get these lumped in with cases that are genuinely unique. Right. And it's hard for us to separate them. Right. But that's the reality of it. That is the reality of it. And you know, I mean, and people want, people think you want uh, an agency or some, a business to tell it like it is like that. 
But it's like, if people actually heard that, they'd be like fucking pissed and angry right. hearing that. Right. Because it would be, it would be minimizing the victims and right. you don't, you can't do that. And truth hurts. And you shouldn't do that, but it, it's true in some cases. Like it's true. People I mean, make hey, bad decisions. You talk to anybody who's ever been like a doctor and it's like, that's why they have such morbid senses of humor. Cause it's like, they've had to kill, they've killed, they haven't killed. You know what I'm saying? Oh. They've watched, uh, like, I don't know, hundreds of people die. Yeah. It's like, that's why some doctors don't have good bedside manner because they're callous to it. Right. They've seen it happen so many times. It's like, it doesn't affect them anymore. You know, though, I do want to say like, compared to the number of visitors every yeah. year at our national parks, I think the number of people that go missing without a trace is not that big a percent. No, the percentage, I mean, it's like you look at percents and it's different. You, you got to make the judgment call yourself. Like I said, mother nature, she's big, she's beautiful, big thighs. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like juicy, you said, juicy, juicy booty. Oh, incredible. And I mean, just absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, you got to watch out because she's crushing watermelons between those thighs. Yeah, yeah. She's fucking, she's doing like strongman exercises. She's pulling cars with her teeth. I mean, <laughs> oh God, it's she's so fucking carrying, putting a yoke on her back and carrying it 200 meters. It's unbelievable. She, she, she pulls the ox team. Just treat her with some. You got to fucking treat her with respect, okay? Yeah. You yeah. got to go out there. You got to be prepared. Yeah. You got to bring something that isn't a fucking cell phone. Bring a GPS device, satellite device, whatever they're called. I don't know what they're called. Yeah. Pilates brings this up that there are like personal tracking beacons that yes. you can buy that, you know, w you can you can activate it. Like there are devices that uh, you can, you know, even now with your phone, mm -hmm. uh, you can ping your location. But these devices are better because they don't run on the same battery. Right. So I talked to my buddy the other day, my buddy the, who's becoming a pilot. We've referenced him before. He's becoming a pilot and he's getting up. He's adjusting his I pants. I adjust a little bit. And he's adjusting his pants. He's been sitting in that toilet a long time. <laughs> and my legs are asleep. That's true. Uh, he was telling me the other day, he's like, he isn't, it doesn't even have his full pilot's license yet, but he he's can like. Partial pilot's license? I forget what it is. It's Learner's like, permit? Yeah. Like, I don't know if he's like, he's not like a fully. He's got to get a certain number of hours, I think, before he can go, like, apply to be a pilot places. But he does have a pilot's license, I think, and can yeah. fly alone. There's there's rules and regulations, obviously. But he was saying, he's like, you, would, you wouldn't even believe the number of times I have said I'm not going to go flying because there was a little bit of a drizzle. Or and I just, it didn't feel right to me. The air didn't feel right. Right. That's good. Sometimes maybe that's what it kind of is with, you know, the forests and the wilderness. It's like... You might be fucking uh, Bear Grylls. You might be an expert in drinking your own piss. <laughs> yeah. Maybe some guys in this room right now can fit one or both of those roles. I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Maybe one or both of us is an accomplished <laughs> outdoorsman and one or both of us is skilled at drinking their own piss. I don't know which. Yeah. That's up for you to decide. That's Yeah. That's not for us to debate here. But, you know, I don't. You just don't fuck around because what you know one little mistake you're gonna get caught you break an ankle you twist an ankle you're out on a hike you didn't bring oh i didn't bring my i don't need that fucking med kit i'm just going on a routine hike i'll be fine guess what twist your ankle guess what mountain lion yeah fucking well beats the shit out of you and you know politis <laughs> says it like go in groups yeah or like, weather turns bad suddenly gets cold as fuck you're like oh shit i didn't bring a shell yeah yeah i mean being prepared and like being thoughtful is like probably 95% of these. Plus, 
Then you get to go buy all that fun camping gear that you'll never <laughs> use again. Yeah. That's the best part of being an adult is buying useless equipment. Buying stuff you have to store. Right. You have to, then you have to get storage for yes. it. That's uh, fun. It's so great <laughs> doing that stuff. No, but I mean, listen, both of us rarely, if ever, go out into the wilderness. Or outside at all. Or outside at all, <laughs> literally. Literally. You just, I mean, I, next time I go camping, if I ever go camping, who knows? I'm telling you what, I'm going to be very prepared. Bring a whole bag yeah. of shit. Yeah. You bring a go bag. You got to just bring everything. Medical yeah. equipment, a little fucking axe, a big knife, you know? Well, you know, it's like, like, uh, never know what can happen. John Billman, the like first story he's talking about is a guy who's at a, staying in a national park, uh, with friends and they go on a run together. Right. The guy brings nothing with him because he's running. So he doesn't even have a phone. Like he's, he's brought nothing. Yeah. You know, it's just his clothes and it's not like he's wearing heavy clothes. So if he got, if he trips and falls, like you said, twists an ankle, it can happen easily when you're running. Even when you're just walking, like, you know, he doesn't know where he is. There's nobody around. I mean, you know, you, I guess you get to that thing of like, well, he was found kind of close to the road and like, why did nothing happen? I mean, it's, right, it's right, still right. mysterious in a way, but it's like, you're starting off at a bad place, probably. Mm -hmm. You know, you haven't taken lots of precaution, and you probably should. But I think some of these are pretty. I mean, ultimately, they're they're kind of challenging to describe to explain. Here's a quote from one of my a video game I really enjoy. Overconfidence is uh -huh. a slow and insidious killer. Wow, it's from Darkest Dungeon. Darkest Dungeon. Overconfidence is a slow, insidious killer. You know, never be overconfident. Always be very meek when you're, I think, dealing with Mother Nature. And this is coming from two guys who are very meek in general. <laughs> Exceptionally meek. Um, all right, Andy, I don't know. I we're we so meek, we're going to inherit the earth. That's right. Should we wrap it up here? You got anything else you want to bring up about Missing 401? I mean, this is the I mean, we've touched. We didn't even really talk about. I guess we'll get into our verdicts. It's hard to know what the fuck is happening here. I don't know. I can't explain it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's These the thing. These are puzzles is like, I, that don't make sense to me. I would love I would love to say, here's what I think is happening. But I kind of have to take the David Politis approach and say, I think, I think we need more evidence to know for sure. But you're right. We'll probably, I mean, maybe that's a good segue into verdicts. Yeah. I mean, Bunkfunkers, if you like this kind of stuff, we'd be happy to cover more of these missing 401 cases now that we've kind of... Uh, We've uh, we've cracked the nut. We've cracked David Politi's nut. We've busted a nut here. We've busted his nut. We've kind of opened it up. The delicious, fatty, uh, fleshy, protein-packed, innard seed of this legume. And we can always bring in more. Yeah. We can once, just cover more cases. You want us to cover more cases? We'll cover more cases. I mean, once you start know. sucking on David Politi's seed, you don't want to stop <laughs> All right, Andy, hit me with your verdict on this one. I don't All know right. what to do. I don't know what to say. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, I guess what we're really considering here is like, is there something paranormal at work on this? Like, I'm I'm going to go kind of vague like that because like for a lot of these, like, is it ghosts? No, it's probably not ghosts. Fairies. We like, covered a wide variety, a wide swath as well. Maybe, you yeah. know, if next time you want us to stick to like, hey, here's three that are like, it's Bigfoot, you know? Yeah. yeah. So we'll say paranormal in general. Like, is there something paranormal? I mean... You know, it's such a wide, like, array of things. And I, t you know, I tend to not really, I'm a skeptic, right? So I think, 
I think though that there's something weird happening. So I'm gonna kind of can't explain it. Yeah, I mean, and that's how I kind of feel about a lot of these. Is like there's unexplained. So there needs to be more evidence. Like this is a worthwhile thing to like continue to you investigate. You hear these ones, you're like, ah, fucking mountain lion kill. But it's like, where's the blood? Yeah, and I guess my verdict on this is gonna be plausible minus and a half. Wow! Wow! Because wow, I'm I'm skept- that's huge. I'm skeptical of. Woo! I'm skeptical of there being a paranormal, but like, I can't say no. Talking about busting loads. I can't say no completely. Yeah. I mean, but I can't say, I can't say that I think that either. So I'm like, I'm kind of in the. This would make more sense for our alien theory, which is that infrared, unable to be seen aliens. Yeah. Are just abducting people in a blink of an eye. We don't understand that they can do a new, different existence. Yeah. Then putting them back. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, you put them back in the right spot. Obviously, they've come back looking for remnants of the Third Reich. Uh, that's why they're focused on Germans. Because uh, we yeah. can all say that the Nazis <laughs> the effectively made contact with extraterrestrials. That's such a, like, there, as far as I know, there's like no context for that ever. Yeah. It's just it makes German. No sense. I just, it's like, oh, I just noticed that there were some German surnames. It's like, well, you didn't. Just a lot of Germans. Didn't a lot mention, of German people. Didn't mention any other like surnames like Gibbs, like, oh, Scottish. <laughs> like, you didn't mention that. It makes no sense. A guy, guy, one of these, one of the very oldest uh, missing 401 cases is from this guy named, like, I think it's Hans Buchmann that disappeared from Switzerland. In the 1500s uh, and like disappeared from like the forest near his house, wound up in Italy, had no idea how he got there. Um, So obviously, like Politis makes a note that Hans Buchmann is German. It's like, well, yeah, he fucking lives in Switzerland. Like, (laughs) like, I think the majority of that country is fucking German people. Like, yeah, what did you, it's like, like, like you found one in Germany and you're like, he was German. It's like, well, duh. Check this out. Now, guys, I know this is a weird story, but get this. The guy was also from Italy. He was Italian. It's like, oh, this guy uh, from Switzerland um, hmm, uh, was German, spoke German and French. It's like, yeah, it doesn't seem that weird. <laughs> not, a, not a weird observation. Do you know where Switzerland is, David? <laughs> He's just kind of like, huh? I don't know. I'm you tell saying, me. Just saying. You tell me. You tell me. Uh, great verdict, Andy. I'm going to go plausible minus minus. Okay. I was, I was, I was thinking that too. We could have been the same. Cause you know, I, we got to look at more. We've only yeah. looked at a handful. I can't explain most of them. I know that hypothermia has weird effects on people. Makes yeah. you think you're warm when you're not, you know, you start taking off your fucking clothes and stuff. Um, the kids, I don't know what to make of the kids. Whenever there's missing children, it's kind of like, I guess you're right. You're a parent. You know they can run off, but how do they get that far? They're not. I mean, they're so fragile, but they're so agile. <laughs> it's just weird. I don't know. They're fragile. They're agile. Like my kid, so determined. True. It's like if he wants to do something, he like rarely will just like stop. He'll just it, keep going. It's a good thing one of those isn't to murder you. Yeah, because I would be dead long ago. <laughs> and the world would be free from my baneful existence. <laughs> my um, corruptive influence. I guess you're right, but I guess I'm specifically the one on that movie I'm referencing. Right. The one with the kid, Jared, 
at a at a Darrow or something, I think his name was, mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. they found the clothes and the skull years. It's just like, what the fuck happened to that kid? Like, yeah. where the fuck did he, like, I understand how he went missing, but it's just like, I don't understand how, like, the clothes and all the skull fr- and the teeth and the shoes. Like, how is his shoes so clean? Yeah. Because, like, they say, like, oh, a mountain lion dragged him away. Well, if a mountain lion dragged you away, the clothes would be fucking filthy. Especially the shoes. These are white, he had white tennis shoes and they were like fucking pristine. And I can't explain that. I don't know what happened. Either he kicked him off, but still, you th- I don't know. Is there an Ed Gein type person taking dead bodies? <laughs> Out in the fucking woods, rugged, rugged, brawny, brawny paper towel, Ed Gein. Yeah. There's nothing I love in the great outdoors. There's nothing I love more and than making a shirt out of human nipples. Making a shirt out of little boys. I love chopping my own wood and being a self-sustaining American. And turning little boys' skin into a lampshade mask. It doubles as a lampshade in a mask. That's efficiency. <laughs> That's efficiency. That's the American way. America's national parks. <laughs> full of beautiful Come birds. Visit. <laughs> Wonderful fishing opportunities and camping pedophiles. <laughs> it's like an old school 50s ad for like the national parks. But beware, bears, wolves, and camping pedophiles. <laughs> They're allowed to camp here, but they might try to steal your children. Come to America's national parks. Well, long funkers, that was our verdicts here on this first chunk of Missing 401. It's hard to really give a full verdict on it all because it's it's just there's so many cases. It's literally unsolved. It, they're literally unsolved and they are fucking head scratchers. Yeah. They uh they kind of make you mad they're such head scratchers. Like an MC Escher painting. Um so let us know what you think. Email us mrbunkerpod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at mrbunkerpod. Find our YouTube page by YouTube searching Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. Again, trying to get those 100 subscribers so we can get an actual YouTube URL. Feel free to subscribe there if you like the content. And if you have multiple accounts, subscribe them all. That's true. Go ahead and do that. (laughs) Then we'll get the URL. Then we can get it and we can stop saying to just search for us. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And if you really enjoy the show, you want to support the show, consider donating on Patreon. You will get a new episode of our uh, Patreon-only show, Andy and our Debunked. Patreon every month and as well as sneak peeks behind the scenes stuff, uh, uh, monthly updates, uh, access to the discord. We could chat with Andy and I and other bunk funkers. So much fun stuff. So many things. Uh, boy, Andy, where we? It's a big old enchilada. This was a uh, full enchilada. I hope your mind tummies are full bunk funkers. They better be. You better be full and you better be ready to go have a nice sleep in your out in the wilderness. Come, yeah. Go outside and sleep tonight. Um, Andy, any last words before uh, I fucking send you sick my mountain lion on you? <laughs> the search can drag you way into the mountains. The search continues for these uh, victims. Um, it's sad, um, but I hope that uh, you know this exposure—not from us, but from just yeah. in general—helps uh, <laughs> uh, make things better. You know, yeah. like this is an important topic. Um. Nicely said there, Andy. Well, for not the titular Mr. Bunker, but for my Imagineer. Oh, nice. Co-host Andy Hart. I'm Art Stone saying that 
was the whole enchilada. That's what ransomware is all about. It's psychological pressure. Ransomware. When your computer's hacked into and your data held ransom. Attacks are on the rise and Russian gangs are making billions of dollars. The moment I got that message, I knew our greatest fears that we ever have are starting to come true. The post-Cold War era is over. Dot com, the hacking. A new season from Crowd Network with me, Katie Puckrick. Just search for dot com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, and subscribe.